Amen, amen. Good morning, church. Are we excited to be here this morning? Amen, amen. I, uh, I appreciate Chakra sharing this morning. Um, I'm sure he had a, a lot of people uh, wanting to try the diet plan of, uh, of the mission field. Uh, so, uh, so thank you, Chakra. That's awesome. I want to, uh, I want to get started with a, a little story this morning uh, about a group of friends uh, who wanted to go out on a fishing trip. And so they went down off the coast of Galveston. One of them heard about uh, an oil rig just a few miles offshore uh, that was supposed to be a great spot for fishing. But they didn't want to go on like a guided tour, uh, spend a bunch of money. So they went and just found a a little boat uh, with a GPS system uh, so they could plug in the coordinates to get them where they wanted to go. Uh, And they knew they'd have just enough gas uh, to get out there, do a little bit of fishing, and get back to shore just fine. Uh, so they wake up early the next morning, excited to, uh, to get out, have a good bonding experience together, and, uh, and hopefully catch some fish. Uh, they go, they pick up the boat, plug in the, uh, the coordinates, and, and head on out. And a couple hours pass by. They're on their way out to, uh, to the oil rig there. Uh, but as the time goes by, they don't see it anywhere in sight. So they keep thinking, okay, it's just a little bit further. It's just a little bit further. It's just a little bit further. And, and before you know it, it started to get dark. So they thought, hey, you know what? We've got to turn around. Uh, we're going to run out of gas if we're not careful. So they spin the boat around, and when they turn around, there's land nowhere in sight. And so they're trying to find their way, figure out how to get back to shore. Uh, And of course, you know how the story goes. They run out of gas. So they uh, pull out their cell phones. Uh, No signal, right? So they end up spending the night out in the middle of the sea, out in the middle of the ocean. They are stranded. Early the next morning, they get up, and they're just praying that God would send someone to rescue them. And most of that next day, they're still stranded out in sea. Uh, Finally, a ship comes by to rescue them and and tows them back to shore. And when they get back to the harbor, they ask the owner of the boat, what went wrong, right? Was there some type of mechanical failure? Uh, What was it that uh, ended up happening that, that they couldn't find their destination, So the owner of the boat is looking the whole boat over, trying to figure out what the issue is. And when he looked at the GPS, he noticed that their coordinates were just two degrees off. Just two degrees. Now they were thinking two degrees, that's nothing, right? Two degrees, that's really only a, a sixteenth of an inch on a compass, right? You're talking small. But see, the, uh, the owner explained to him, the distance makes the difference. If you're only going a few feet, two degrees off is not very much. But the further you go, being just a little bit off can take you somewhere you don't want to be. So the title of our lesson this morning is The Power of Little Things. The Power of Little Things. And so the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about the power of of little things. 
Uh, the, we, we talked a couple weeks ago, the, uh, the teens shared with us uh, about catching the little foxes, right? The little sins that, that want to come in and ruin the vineyard. The, the little things that want to throw us off course from what God has in store. And so I started thinking, what are my little foxes? Right, what are the little sins that, that I'm allowing to throw me off from what God desires? You know, one thing I noticed, uh, I've started reading the Bible more uh, as a minister than as a sinner. Right? Okay, well, what do you mean by that, Jacob? I, I'm reading the Bible more as a minister than as a sinner uh, because I feel like when I read, uh, I'm always thinking, okay, how can I share this with others instead of what is this trying to say to me? Right? What is it that, that, that God's really trying to speak to me here? You know, it's, a, it's the same way I could be sitting in service uh, thinking, you know what, Carl Daniel really needs to hear this lesson, right? Um, you know, if, he, if he's not here this morning, I need to make sure I tell him, you know what, Carl, go listen to that lesson. You know, I've even thought, uh, I, I was actually telling our, our campus students, uh, we, we talked about the war for your attention and, and our, uh, the issue with our cell phones. Uh, you need to go listen to that lesson if you haven't already. But I, I was telling our campus students, uh, as we were talking about it, I was like, you know what, I don't really have an issue with that. I'm glad Mark's talking about it because all these other people really need to hear this, but, but that's not something I really need to, uh, to, to correct. Um, just being honest, right? It, isn't that how we are? Uh, it, isn't that our inclination that it's so easy for us to point out the sin in others without examining what needs to change in our own lives? So why is that so hard? Why is it so hard for us to see the areas where we're wrong? Right? Because to us, our sin just seems like little things. Right? It, it, it's just a little thing. It, those people have the big issues. Right? They've got the big problems going on. My sin is really insignificant. And, and I think other people's problems seem so obvious while ours is, is easily excusable. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 12. Let's see what God's word has to say this morning. Again, we're going to talk about the power of little things. Uh, and, and Jesus talks about a little thing here in Luke chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands has, had gathered... So that they were trampling on one another. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. Saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. Which is hypocrisy. Be on your guard. Right? Watch out. Take caution. This is a warning from Jesus against what? Against yeast. Yeast? Yeast is such a little thing, right? Ye yeast seems so insignificant. As a matter of fact, I looked it up. Yeast uh, is, is typically between three to four micrometers. Well, what's a micrometer? Well, the human hair uh, is between 30 to 40 micrometers in diameter. Um, so again, yeast, we're, we're talking about this is really small. Really insignificant. So why does Jesus tell us to watch out for yeast? 
You know, the truth is, little things have the power to spread quickly. Yeah, I've got one point for you this morning. Little things spread quickly. You know, little things are so powerful because they're so hard to detect. And Jesus pulls his disciples aside and warned them because he knew that even just a little yeast of the Pharisees could quickly spread uh, to his disciples as well. You know, I, I read as well that yeast can start off as a single cell and ultimately grow into tons of yeast. It says by the end of the process, it will have multiplied five to eight times, creating over three generations and around 60,000 gallons of yeast. Uh, it is amazing how fast yeast can multiply. So that's why Jesus says, hey, you know what? Be on guard. Watch out. Take heed. Because even just a little thing can spread so quickly. Paul knew this was true when he was writing to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, he says, A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Right? Just a little yeast affects the whole batch. It doesn't stay in just one spot. It spreads to everything around it. You know, sin, in the same way, has a way of spreading from one person to another. And before you know it, a little yeast can work its way through an entire congregation. Really, nobody is immune. And again, Paul's writing here in Galatians 5, uh, I think he had in mind a specific issue. And he talks about it in chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, I'll start reading in verse 11. You guys still with me this morning? Galatians chapter 11, or I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 2. Verse 11 it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived... He ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray. By their hypocrisy. You know, it seems like just a little thing, right? Peter, hey, he just wanted to eat uh, with a different uh, crowd at lunch, right? Um, it's just a little thing, right? Not that big of a deal. What's so wrong with eating with someone else? But you know, again, little things can have a big impact. You know, in the beginning, everything seems cool. Uh, but, but as it goes on, you, you see this sin starts to spread. It begins with some friends of James, right? They came and planted a little yeast of prejudice against the Gentiles, right? And that's how Peter is affected. He's pulled into their sinfulness and puts up a wall against the Gentiles as well. It says this led to other Jews following him in his hypocrisy. And then it says even Barnabas, right? Not Barnabas, 
Surely not. So even Barnabas was led into sin by that little yeast of prejudice that planted itself. So you see, a little, sprint, a little sin can easily spread to others around us. Again, don't be deceived because nobody is immune. Right? If James, if Peter, if Barnabas could get sucked into this, these are heroes in the faith, right? If they can get sucked in, then what makes us think that you and I are immune uh, or, or are too righteous, right, to be pulled in to sin from others? And again, I think that's why here in, in Luke, uh, it, when Jesus pulls his disciples aside from the rest of the crowd, he's telling them, hey, you know what, watch out for this little yeast. Because people around you can easily affect your faith. You know, if you were out to eat, and you got a bowl of soup, and you're eating, and you found a hair in that bowl of soup, uh, would you continue to just eat around it? What about, okay, if you got a salad, uh, and, and as you're eating your salad, you see a little spider crawling around, you know, just eat around the salad, right? Surely not. Why? Because you know what? That little sin, uh, again, that little spider, hey, it affects the whole meal, right? The entire meal is ruined over just one little issue. Let's turn over to uh, Numbers chapter 14. Let me ask you this Who is your sin affecting? Who are you influencing with your sin? Again, our sin has the power to spread. Is it affecting your spouse, your kids, your, your roommate? What about your coworkers, your classmates? I think definitely our, our family is going to be affected. Here in Luke chapter 14, verse 18, it says, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love. And forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Your sin affects others. Again, it's talking about the family here, that, that the sin of the father is going to affect the son. I think about the story of Achan in Joshua chapter 7. That Achan, you know, he, he sins by stealing some of the spoils from Jericho. Well, what ends up happening? Well, that causes the, the nation to lose in their next battle against Ai. And then he and his whole family is stoned. Right? Not just Achan. Him and his whole family are stoned. Why? Because our sin affects others. You know, I think the sin can easily affect the church as well. And, and there's a few different sins I, I think can really spread quickly and easily. And in James chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, 
and is itself set on fire by hell. The tongue has the power to destroy. And and so, so easily can a little gossip affect an entire congregation. Right, uh, a, a little uh, complaining, right, a little grumbling can, can easily infiltrate an entire group of people. Who are you affecting with your tongue? Uh, are you using it to build up or are you using it to, to light a spark that, that causes a great fire that's so difficult to put out? Let, let's read in Hebrews chapter 12. Here's another sin. Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Right? Bitterness, he says, is an easy little thing that can cause so much damage to others. Right? It's just a little root. Right? It's just a little thing. But it says it can grow up and defile many. Bitterness can easily spread. It can spread to those in your Bible talk, right? It can can spread to those uh, in our entire congregation. Don't let bitterness take root. You know, what about, uh, I love this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, because a little bit of sin, it, it affects the entire church. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 15 He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Yeah, I I love this verse because I think it shows how significant our connection with Christ and with one another is. Right? That my sin affects the entire body. Right? And and so even just a, a little bit of sin in my life, hey, it affects all those around me. He says, shall I unite the body of Christ with a prostitute? By no means. Right? But what do we allow ourselves and the body of Christ to indulge in? Right? What are we opening uh, our mind and our hearts to that that ultimately, again, affects everyone else around us? What little sins are, are we allowing to linger? You know, a little sin can also spread to bigger sins in our life. Again, not only can sin spread from one person to another, but little sins uh, lead to, can, can easily lead into bigger uh, and more destructive sins. We see this take place throughout the Bible. You don't have to go very far in at all. Think about Cain, right? Cain's little bit of selfishness, his unwillingness to sacrifice his best, ended up with him killing his brother. Right? It started off with just a little sin. What about David? You know, David decided to to stay back 
and not go to war. Maybe you just wanted to be a little lazy, right? Take some time to relax. But his decision to stay home instead of going into battle led to adultery and to murder. Right? Well, laziness is just a little sin. Well, you see, little sins spread to bigger sins. You know, I think even about Ananias in in Acts chapter 5. Right? Ananias, he, he allowed a little bit of greed to take over. To, to keep some of the money back for himself, and it led not only to his own death, but to the death of his wife as well. Little sins lead to big sins. Now you may think, okay, Jacob, I'm not going to murder somebody, right? That's kind of like a big jump here. Well, what are you going to allow, though? Right, where, where will you draw the line? You know, uh, we've, uh, we've started reading... Uh, uh, to Everly, every night before she goes to bed, uh, we'll read a little bedtime story. And, uh, and one of my favorite stories uh, when I was growing up is, uh, is called, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. You guys know that one? If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you a short version of it real quick. So if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk, right? If you give him milk, he'll probably ask you for a straw, then he'll ask for a napkin. Then he'll want to look in the mirror. Then he'll want some scissors to trim his hair. A broom to sweep it up. He'll be tired, so he'll want to take a nap. But first, he'll need a bedtime story. It says the, po- the pictures in the book will uh, make him want to draw a picture of his own. Then he'll ask to go and tape it on the fridge. The fridge will remind him that he's thirsty. Then he'll want a glass of milk. And if you give him some milk... He's going to want a cookie, right? Um, It's a great story. It's fun and it's cute. You know, it's amazing that uh, I think this little children's story uh, can perfectly illustrate how sin works in our lives. Right? Because you let just a little bit in and and it seems harmless. Ah, Just give the mouse a cookie, right? Hey, it it seems harmless. But before you know it, uh, you're living with a rat infestation. <laughs> right? Before you know it, you end up somewhere you don't want to be. And, and it may be nice for a children's book, uh, but you're not meant to live with a, route, a, a mouse. Right? You're, you're not meant to live with a rat in your house. You know, I think some of us allow little pet sins in to become a part of our lives. Right, we allow those little sins in and, and don't mind living with them. Uh, we get so comfortable in, in our little sins uh, that, that we can't realize how nasty it really is. Uh, put that first picture back up there. You know, look at this picture. Again, it's nice. Um, the, uh, the, the mouse looks happy. The, the boy looks happy. Everything is good. You know, he's, uh, he's dressed up in the little overalls there. Um, it, it, it almost makes the mouse human, right? Um, he, he's all dressed up and nice. Uh, and isn't that what we do with our sin, right? We like to dress it up, right? It, make it look like it's not as bad as it really is. Uh, that way, hey, it, it's presentable not only to ourselves, but we try and make this sin presentable to others around us. But again, I, I love the, the next picture there. Uh, this poor little boy, right? By the end of the story, 
Um, just look at him. Like, he just, his life is ruined. <laughs> right? He, he looks discouraged uh, and depressed. And, you know, I think that's how sin can so easily come in and overrun our lives. And, and what does he do at the end? He gives them another cookie. Right? He, he keeps feeding in to that little sin. You know, where will you draw the line? I, I love this, uh, this quote. Uh, it's actually from uh, Tom Landry. Uh, it, and it's hanging up in the, uh, the Cowboys coach's, uh, coach's office. It says, you get what you demand and you encourage what you tolerate. I love that. You encourage what you tolerate. Let me ask you, what sin are you tolerating in your life right now? What is it? Right? What little sin are you allowing to just linger in there? You see, a little lust can lead to a little pornography, can lead to a little addiction, can lead to a little affair. Right? What about in your home? What things are you tolerating in your home? How about ingratitude? Right? A a little ingratitude can lead to a little selfishness, can lead to a little materialism and greed. Right? It starts off with just a little thing. What, What about in your Bible talk? What sin are you tolerating in your Bible talk? Is it a little bitterness? Right? Well, a little bitterness can lead to a little gossip, can lead to a little conflict, can lead to a little division in the body of Christ. You guys with me? You know, little sins can so easily spread to bigger sins. Let's turn over to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You know, I think probably one of the most prevalent little sins is idleness. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. He says, hey, keep away from those who are idle. Right? Being idle, that's, that's just a little sin though, right? It's not that big of a deal. Right? And I think most of us, you may think, okay, idle, I don't have time to be idle. Right, we live in the 21st century. We're like, go, go, go all the time. But you know, I've realized, I think each and every one of us have some part of our life that we've put on idle. Right, you you may be busy, but but there's some part that that you've kind of put on idle, put on cruise control, uh, and and just allow it to run on its own. You know, maybe it's your personal Bible study, Right? It's like, okay, I still get up and read, but it's just kind of, it's on idle. It's not really moving forward. It's just staying put. What about your parenting? Well, what about your work life, your work ethic? How about your physical training? For, for our students, how about your academics? You know, one thing uh, I realized for, for Janelle and I, uh, we, we've got a good marriage, but I think we kind of put our marriage on idle. 
Um, right? Nothing's wrong with it, but, uh, but, but our, we weren't really growing, right? We weren't really trying to take our marriage to the next level. Um, and so we had, to, uh, we had to sit down a couple months ago and, and have some talks and figure out, okay, how do we take this from idle and ramp this bad boy up to where we're growing in our marriage, where we're moving forward? What about you? What part of your life is just sitting on idle? What, what, what little sin are you allowing to just linger in there? Well, what are you tolerating? Because what you tolerate, you encourage. Well, what you tolerate, you're going to see more of. Let's flip over to uh, Luke chapter 13. You know, I want to give you this, uh, this challenge. Um, ask someone who's close to you today, what little sin do you see in my life? Right, what little sin is, is lingering in there? Now, that's a tough question to ask. So, so come with some humility. Um, if that little sin's pride, you know, hopefully you set that one aside. But, but really, ask someone. Hey, well, what, what little things do you see going on that, that I need to change, that I need to work on and grow in? Luke chapter 13. So we started out in Luke 12, talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. But I want to end with some encouragement. In Luke chapter 13, <laughs> I didn't beat you up this morning, did I, Carl? Luke chapter 13, uh, he, he goes from the yeast of the Pharisees to the next chapter, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Verse 20, he says, again, Jesus asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. You know, the, the Pharisees, they wanted to use that yeast to spread their hypocrisy. But God wants to use yeast to advance the kingdom of God. Right? Well, why yeast? Yeast is such a little thing. Well, yeast can spread quickly. Right? Little things have the power to make a big impact. So, so what does God want to use you? Uh, how does God want to use you and a little bit of yeast from your life to impact those around you? Well, maybe it's giving a little money to special missions contribution. Right? Maybe just a little bit. Uh, maybe if you've already given, maybe just give a little bit more. Right? Um, why? Because that little bit can go a long way, right? That, that little bit of money you give, uh, you may feel like, hey, I, I don't have much. But you know what? God can use that little bit to make a big impact. How about spend a little bit of time in his word every day? How about planting a little seed of evangelism to those around you at work? Right? How about having a little family devotional each week, right? Spend a little bit of time with your kids getting in the word. Can that really have a big impact? You better believe it can. How about sending a little message of encouragement to your brother or sister throughout the week? When they've had a rough day, and you may not even know it. But again, just those little things can go a long way. We see this is true throughout God's word. Because God's been using little things to make a big impact throughout the Bible. I think about Gideon, one of my favorite stories Gideon was just a little guy with, with a little army of 300 
that God used to defeat the nation of Midian. Moses raised a little staff, and God separated the sea so the Israelites could pass through on dry ground. With the little jawbone of a donkey, Samson slaughtered the Philistines. Daniel was just a young little guy when he stood up against King Nebuchadnezzar and told him he wouldn't bow down. God used a little guy named David with a little slingshot and a little stone to take down Goliath. Jesus used just a little boy with a little bread and a little fish to feed 5,000. The poor widow gave just a little two copper coins, and Jesus praised her because of it. You know, Jesus taught a group of just, a little group of just 12 men. You think about that, just a little group, and he turned the world upside down. You know, finally, in order to bring salvation to the world, God sent his own little boy to grow up in the little town of Nazareth. He allowed his own little boy to be led up a little hill to Golgotha. And there he was fixed to a cross with just three little nails. And that is the power of little things. Not just to bring destruction, but to bring salvation. At this time, I'm going to uh, pray for our communion.